Hi, and welcome to the Hand in Hand Show, where caregivers and survivors have honest discussions about stroke. We are a part of Stroke Focus Podcasts. This is Cam, your host. Today, I'm here with William, and um, he's going to tell us about his business. It's a team of physicians and technologists who are passionate about the evolution of delivering personalized care. So, without any further ado in this, I want to bring William and have him kind of introduce himself. So, hello, William. Hi, how are you? You have, or you're building something called My Own Doctor. You said it provides um, the benefits of technology to every doctor and patient. So, can you tell us a little bit about how this came about? And Yeah, so My Own Doctor is a platform that allows a doctor to empower their own patients um, through technology. And simply what it does is it allows a doctor to do a secure video conference with a patient um, anywhere at any time, just like people that use FaceTime or Skype that are not secure. This is a secure and encrypted platform that allows for the doctor and patient to be able to communicate in ways that we're all accustomed to in other industries. Is this like virtual care? Yeah, so it's a virtual care platform um, or a telemedicine platform um, is really what it is. And so in its most simplistic form, it's a doctor and a patient being able to talk. And so instead of just using a phone call, which is what people used to do for telemedicine, right? So they started with a phone call and we would make a diagnosis on the phone and say, what's wrong with you, Mrs. Smith? And Mrs. Smith would respond, well, now I can see her. I can hear her, I can listen to her, and there's new tools that are coming onto the market to make it even so that we can really deliver more care to a person's home. So it's, it's sort of the next wave of care that's coming, and it's very exciting for patients and doctors both because it allows for us to have a more connected relationship, which is what every doctor and patient wants. In its form of like ICU virtual care, that is the technology and that is wonderful because you may be able to see or do blood pressure. Yeah, so the platform is really designed um, to address uh, several different things. So one is it provides patients with access and convenience. So sometimes you come to the doctor's office and you wait for a half an hour or an hour and you're in the doctor's office for 10 minutes and that visit could have been handled virtually which would have saved you the inconvenience of driving, parking, waiting, being around other people who are sick, et cetera, et cetera. So virtual care is about you know, access and convenience. It's also about being able to connect um, the doctor, the patient, and sometimes a caregiver. So for example, when my mom was sick, um, I was the caregiver. I lived here in Chicago. She lived in Las Vegas. And it was difficult for us to connect with the doctors Um, to help decide what was needed for her care. So you can use these kinds of technologies to bring other people into the room. So when you're physically there with the patient, um, they can be at a distance and still participate and help uh, give input and provide a lot of care to the patient that we all care about. So in this instance, it would be almost like a conference call. Yeah, so what we like to say is it's a virtual visit, right? And that virtual visit allows you to bring a caregiver to that visit or multiple caregivers for that matter. So sometimes, you know, two or three siblings want to talk about their adult 
mother or father, um, and they can't all be physically present, but they want to know what's happening. This is a way for them to participate and connect and understand what's going on. So our platform is really about empowering um, patients and doctors to be able to do that. Caregivers, this really gives them a huge advantage. This is huge. Yeah, so we think it's a huge benefit um, to be able to have the patient and the caregivers involved. About 50% of caregivers work, so they don't have to take off of work um, to attend a visit. Um, the sessions can be recorded, so they can come back and review them later, if they, even if they weren't able to be there. Uh, so there's a lot of ways that technology can provide people with information that's really helpful uh, to them. You know, in the U.S., caregivers provide about $500 billion worth of health services to patients. So, you know, one of the things that we are very interested in is figuring out how to empower them so they can do it better, right? Because they're delivering a lot of services already, and they're mostly doing it for free. And so we're very motivated by that. What made you to decide to develop this solution? Yeah, so there's a couple different things. Um, when I was a kid, I used to go on house calls with my dad, who was a pediatrician. So I was used to going to people's homes, being there with him when he would deliver care to their kids, sitting on the couch and watching that whole experience, and um, how appreciative people were at their time of need to have someone who was readily available and able to come to their home as opposed to them having to go to the emergency room, they didn't have urgent cares back then really, or come to the office the next day. So that's kind of how I was interested in medicine and that's how I sort of, it always stayed with me. Then if you fast forward, um, my father also had a stroke uh, and he was locked in, right? So he had a brainstem stroke, it was a bad one. Um, it was really two strokes in succession and they were, he was in Las Vegas, I was here, and so I was on the other side of the equation. I was not just a doctor, I was a patient, family member, and a caregiver, and I dealt with all the issues that caregivers and family members deal when deal with, you know, how to get the right services, how to get people to come to the house, how to organize the therapy, all of those things, and I was an insider to the system, and it was still challenging, and so it always stuck with me that there's got to be a better way to be able to help people do what's necessary. Um, even when you have the requisite knowledge and skills, I mean, it's still hard because you, it's navigating it and making it work for you is what's tough. So um, a good friend of mine who uh, has a, a uh, nonprofit was building a uh, video conferencing platform that allows you to democratize everything, knowledge right? So anything that can be shared by a video conference, he wants to make available to the people all over the world. And so my thoughts were the same thing should be true with health, because if you don't have health, then you don't have anything, right? And so there's so many people who struggle to get the knowledge and information that they need, that there has to be a better way. And this is our way of trying to help address that need. That's right. I hear so many people who can't get to the doctor or... I was just going to say, one of the things that really makes our platform interesting and a little bit unique is we have something called a knowledge center. And then the knowledge center is 
um, a place where a doctor can put key videos or PowerPoint presentations or documents for patients and their families, and they can be organized with tags um, so that they can go in and review those. So for example, if you had a G-tube, there could be a little video on how to clean the G-tube or how to connect it. Um, so if a family member or someone who had to step in for a period of time didn't know, they could log into the system, see the video, um, and be more self-sufficient or have more confidence that they're doing it right, right? Because when this happens, right. as, as you know, people get overwhelmed. And the first thing they, they feel is, I can't do it, right? Because they don't have the knowledge. And so um, we built the Knowledge Center um, with that in mind, that would, it would allow doctors um, to be able to create content or buy content that could be helpful to the patients and their families um, so that the transition from being in the hospital to being home is easier and smoother. One of the things that, that you mentioned is, you know, about home services is uh, with technology like this, you can deliver all kinds of new services to people at home. So speech pathology in some ways could be delivered at home. Um, physical therapy for certain things could be delivered at home. So, I mean, there are ways to take the technology and now give people services at home that were before they would have had to travel. And sometimes that's difficult to arrange the logistics, right? I mean, even with Uber and Lyft and things of that nature, it's still difficult to make all that happen. So that's a part of what we've built is, a, is some ways to try to make this a better, a better experience for the patient. What specific services does this platform offer caregivers? So you've just said that you will have a, or do have a, an area, I guess, uh, an educational videos for them to do things. Are there any other components in this? Yeah, um, for there are other components. So one of the things that we built into the system was secure messaging. And so the patient and or the caregiver can message the doctor from a mobile app. So they can essentially click the button and send a message to the doctor. Hey, I'm having trouble with X, Y, and Z. What should I do? And the doctor can respond back, you know, you should do QRS or you should come in or you should call my nurse. So it allows them to communicate much like we all communicate with our friends today via messaging. So that's one of the unique features. The second thing that we have in addition to the Knowledge Center is we have the capacity to deliver large-scale webinars. So you could put up to you know, 5,000 people in the room, so to speak, and you could have a subject matter expert um, talk about you know, recovery after stroke. What are the best things to do? How to encourage people to talk after a stroke? I mean, on and on and on. So it makes it easier for a doctor to educate their patients because it's really hard to all the bullet points, so to speak, around education when you're seeing people in the office. So you gotta find other ways to accomplish that, and it's easier to do that when you can do it one-to-many. When can caregivers begin using this? So yeah, so caregivers can really begin using it um, as soon as their doctor decides that they wanna participate, right? So we need the doctors to participate, and all a doctor has to do is go to our website, and say that I would like to use this kind of a platform, we would do a quick demo for them in about 30 minutes. And then they could sign up literally that same day. 
and the system would be uh, available to them. There are no downloads. They go to their Chrome window browser, type in my own doctor, they get a login and a pin and a password, and literally they can start building their online branded practice, which has all this information. One of the features that I didn't mention um, that I think you'd find interesting is there's the ability for the doctor to push information to everyone who's a part of their practice. So if I had a practice and, and I took care of strokes patients exclusively, and there were some things that, were, that I wanted them to know about, like it's flu season, get your flu shot, I can push a message and it would go to everyone in the practice would get a notification um, on their phone that, hey, it's time to get your flu shot. So it's a nice way to be able to communicate um, with your patients more like the modern world as opposed to where medicine has been in the 19th and 20th centuries. That's huge with me. Things that can help me remember or that I can actually go back to. If caregivers are interested in using this and their doctor doesn't use it, they need to bring it to the doctor's attention. Yeah, that would be that would be fantastic if they brought it to the doctor's attention to say, hey, this is something that I think would really be helpful to your practice and helpful to me as a caregiver, um, and here's why. Um, the other thing is, is that, you know, organizations uh, that do support can also use the platform. So, uh, you know, if there's a stroke survivors group, for example, they could decide, hey, we want to use the platform to accomplish these kinds of goals where we're going to bring in experts like myself, for example, to talk about how technology can improve care for stroke survivors. And they could do a webinar with 5,000 people in it. And they could, it's interactive. They can raise their hand. They can ask questions. So there's different ways that, that the platform could be adapted. Um, it's what we call software as a service, which basically just means that you get a license, just like you get a license to use Microsoft Office so that you pay a fee. And then you have access to all of the features. And so, you know, one of the things that we wanted to do was we know that people will find ways to use it. So it's kind of like, you know, when people first created email, you know, it was like, oh, that was interesting. And then people learned how to attach things to it. And there was all these evolutions. So we know that once you get it into people's hands, they'll find different ways to make it more useful more and more user-friendly. And we're a dynamic company that's um, very responsive to our customers. So we're interested in their feedback and keep adding features that make it uh, more useful. That's fantastic. Can caregivers or even patients use this in some way if their physicians don't want to use it? Is there a way for them? Yeah, we haven't really um, created a model that works like that. Um, that's, okay. an, a, that's a great question. I think that, you know, if there was demand, you know, and people said, hey, this is something I really want, we could literally create a, a one-sided platform. But the whole point here, and the reason we're called My Own Doctor is, it's really about that doctor-patient relationship and making it easier for the doctor and the patients and the caregivers to maintain that over time, right? Um, I can't tell right. you how many times I've had Facebook requests or other kinds of requests for social media with patients. And generally, um, I don't do that. But in an interactive environment like this, where I know it's secure and encrypted and protected, um, you know, I'm happy to engage the patients and have the same kind of warm relationship that my father had when he was sitting on the, on the family's couch. Um, you know, 
in the early 70s. So I think it's, it's really about that relationship and making that relationship sacrosanct because that's really what doctors want and I think that's really what patients want. So the information and having a trusted source and knowing that it's vetted by your doctor as opposed to some third party um, is what makes it special to me. How is telemedicine is changing stroke care? Well, I think there's two things. So um, telemedicine is definitely having a huge impact on stroke care everywhere. And let me explain how that's happening. Um, what telemedicine has done is taken the shortage of neurologists, because there's a shortage, they're not producing them fast enough, and they're retiring too quickly, and it makes them available um, at the point when a person might be having a stroke. So what you can do is you can take a tablet um, or a computer and you can put it in front of a patient who might be having a stroke and the neurologist can be at a distance and that distance could be a few miles or it could be a hundred miles. And that neurologist can say, yes, that person's having a stroke. Um, most of them are what we call ischemic strokes, which means they're little blood clots that happen in the vessels. Um, and they can give a drug called TPA, which is a blood clot buster, um, and basically res reverse some of the symptoms that people are having. So now there's these, these telestroke programs, which is just telemedicine dedicated to stroke. Um, and it's improving the care that patients are receiving because if a patient gets to the hospital within you know, an hour or two of the beginning of their symptoms, um, they can have their clot busted. And sometimes their symptoms go completely away. I saw a patient um, whose speech was, was slurred, his left arm was weak, his left leg was weak. They hit him with the clot buster. And, you know, the next day he walked out of the hospital as if nothing had happened. And so, you know, the telestroke programs are really game changers for patients um, in that it really democratizes care. So you don't have to be at necessarily the biggest um, hospital to get really exceptional care. In the post-stroke period, um, telemedicine is also making a difference. Um, it's making a difference in the following ways. Uh, it allows the patients and their families um, the ability to be able to communicate both when they want to, you know, so at any time of day or night, um, they can send a message or leave a message or do a visit. Um, they can get access to doctors 24 seven, um, some of which who can provide emergency services. So it really is, is improving the access that patients have. <clears throat> so I think it's going to be a tremendous value to, to families and patients over time. And as we learn more about what we can do, um, we're going to be able to give even better services. If a caregiver a patient was interested in this and wanted to learn more. Is there a website they can go and check it out? There absolutely is. Our website is, is www.myowndoctor.com, right? So it's, and that's why we are My Own Doctor because we really wanted to emphasize that um, it's about you and your doctor. If a physician wanted to sign up for this, they would go to the same website to do that? Yeah. The, so if a physician wanted to sign up, they'd go to the website. Um, they could click a, a little button that says request a demo, or they could video, they could chat with someone 
um, who's in our office, and we would get them set up as soon as they wanted to uh, participate. So are there fees for both the physician and the patient or caregiver? So the way our, our uh, platform is set up, it's really up to the doctor. So the doctor pays the license fee. So it's kind of like, as, as I was explaining, with Microsoft Office or Word. So the doctor pays the fee, and then he decides whether the patient's got to pay or it's free. Um, most doctors are making it free because it improves the care um, to the patients, and it also helps them take care of them more easily, right? So the more information that I can get to you and to the caregivers, the easier it is for me to take care of you as a patient, which it ultimately makes my job easier and more enjoyable, right? Because um, every doctor wants their patients to do well. Yes, I think, I really think they do. Um, so are there any points about uh, your, my own doctor that maybe we haven't covered that you want to speak about? Well, I think the thing that I, that I would like to say about it, and I don't know how much we've covered it, um, is that one of the things that I also think makes it unique is it's about creating an online brand that's, that's very much like your in-person brand. And so the way our platform is built, you can put all the same sorts of colors, logos, um, pictures, you can have your staff, um, so it's really about creating an online presence that mimics what you have in a brick and mortar world. And so um, it's, and that gives the patients comfort because it seems very, you know, seamless. And that's really what it's about. Virtual care is not necessarily about replacing in-person care. It's really about creating a supplemental way of doing things, right? It's just like we buy some things online and we buy some things in the store. We don't say that we're never going to go to a store. Um, and the same thing is true with virtual care. So I think that's one of the things that I just wanted to, to emphasize. And, that, and the other thing that I would say is for larger doctors, organizations, and hospitals, they can create their own white-labeled app so it can have their brand. Um, so, you know, it could say Stroke Survivors Inc. Um, as the... Uh, as the brand and we would it would be uh, downloaded from the app store and it would look and feel just like it's theirs and it would say you know somewhere in the small print somewhere powered by my own doctor so it's really about you know emphasizing um, everyone else the doctor and the patient and de-emphasizing us we just want to be an enabler to help make the relationship and experience as good as it can be on the patient's journey I think this is enhancing everything we would want. This makes it easier and more helpful, but you still have your relationship with your physician. Right. Some of you know, telemedicine places, you call in for your appointment or whatever, and you may not see the same person every time, or you don't know who you're going to see or how it's going to work. This way, you know that it's still your physician, and that's the one who's going to see you. Right. And that's really... Um, what we saw also happening in the marketplace, there were companies that were coming out um, and they basically created a service where you click to talk to a doctor and, you know, that doctor is a stranger. They don't know you. They don't know your family. They don't know your circumstances. Um, and they're probably fine doctors. Um, we just place a higher value on your own doctor. And so uh, 
that's why we really built what we built is because uh, the people you know and trust are just that. Oh, absolutely. And when you're not seeing somebody that you see all the time, that causes a little anxiety on, you know, on any person. So um, I appreciate this service and I, I think our listeners will too. And hopefully they'll bring it to their physicians to um, maybe have them do this with you all. Yeah, that, um, that, would, be, yeah. that would be fantastic. <laughs> um, I mean, and, and here's the thing. There's, if a patient comes to me and says, hey, you should take a look at this. I mean, most of the time I'm going to take a look at it. So doctors are influenced by patients. That's why the pharmaceutical companies, you know, aren't allowed to do a lot of direct-to-consumer advertising because, you know, patients, we, they get our attention, right? Because we care about them. Their questions are important to us. So if a patient comes and says, hey, take a look at this, I think you might find this interesting and it could help, you know, you take better care of us. I mean, there's nothing more powerful than that. They're the ultimate advocate. So, you know, I encourage any patients or caregivers who hear this message and to go out to their doctors and tell them, hey, you ought to take a look at my own doctor because it's pretty interesting. So again, why don't you give us your website address so that just in case people didn't get it the first time? Sure, it's www.myowndoctor.com. Thank you. So is there anything else you want to add? The only other thing I would add is, is that one thing that we didn't really talk about, but it, it's true is that the power of video is amazing. You know, we have it everywhere in society. Uh, you go to, you know, YouTube to learn how to change the battery on your car key. You'll go to YouTube for a variety of things. And so, you know, YouTube isn't really doing healthcare in a way that's organized. Um, and so that's one of the things that I just wanted to say is, is that as people understand in healthcare, right, the power of video, and how to make it really work for patients and caregivers. Um, the opportunity for people to have much better and more enriched quality of lives is tremendous. And so um, I encourage patients and their caregivers to let their doctors know that, you know, there are new things happening and they can really make a big difference. Any physician can use this no matter what state they're in. That's correct. So let me just clarify. First of all, our platform can be used in all 50 states and internationally. So um, one of our doctors who's on our platform was in, in Illinois, was on vacation in Hawaii, and he was seeing his patients in Illinois um, to make sure that they were doing well. So he got up early in the morning, saw them for an hour or two, and then spent the rest of the day with his family um, while he was in Hawaii and the patients were in Illinois. Second thing is, is that there are different state laws around telemedicine. Um, generally speaking, every state has approved some law that says it's okay to do telemedicine. Um, what is coming is the ability for all the insurers to be able to pay for it the same way they would pay for an in-person visit. So we're waiting for that to happen. It's, it's going to happen soon. Um, 32 states already have laws that basically say you get the doctor gets the same payment which means the patient pays the same amount. Um, and so as this grows and gets bigger, uh, you're going to see more of that. And um, we think that, you know, it'll be like the phone in the future where you don't go to a doctor's office and they don't say, I don't have a telephone. Everyone will be doing telemedicine in some form or fashion. 
and we won't talk about it the way we talk about it now, but virtual care will be a part of the standard. I think this is great. William, thank you so much for being here with me. Thank and, you. Um, thanks for listening to today's episode of the Hand in Hand Show. We hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to keep the discussion going, please join Stroke Focus, the social media website dedicated to stroke survivors and caregivers. The website address is https colon backslash backslash www.strokefocus.net. Stroke Focus is S T R O K E F O C U S. Stroke Focus is a part of Wohala, which in Mandarin means I have survived. If you wish to be a part of the show or would like to be interviewed as part of the show, please contact us at contact at strokefocus.net.